Hey, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. As uh, we get started, I want to ask you to take your Bible. Hopefully, you already have your Bible. Turn with me all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to jump right in this morning. Uh, today, I want to begin a, a four-part series that I hope will be beneficial to us during this time of social distancing and uh, really this time when we're apart physically. Uh, because here's the thing, you and I are not built to do life alone. We need one another, we need community, we need fellowship. Uh, and uh, if there's one thing I know, uh, this may surprise you, uh, I, I do know a few things. Uh, I know that God loves me, but I also know that the devil hates me. The devil hates me. And that's not an uh, overstatement and that's not an understatement. It's just the facts. It's the truth. And uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news to you this morning. Uh, for those who are watching, those who are listening, but can I kindly say, <laughs> I don't know how you kindly say this, but the devil hates you as well. And I'm sure that's not... Uh, uh, the message that you thought you would hear right out of the gate this morning. Uh, but honestly, I think it's one that we need to be reminded of, right? Especially during this time of fear, this time of anxiety, this time of uncertainty. A lot of people are asking questions. People are saying, why is this happening? You know, when is this going to end? Uh, we've been separated for now over a month. We've had, uh, this is I think our fifth online service. We, we've been apart from one another. When is this going to come to an end? And to be honest with you, there's nobody, there's nobody that can answer any of those questions with any type of certainty, clarity, or confidence, which is why you and I just have to keep walking by faith. We have to keep living in a way that brings God honor and glory, and we have to keep trusting God. You see, because the devil, he loves to attack us when things aren't going as planned, or as when, when they're not going uh, as we think they should be going. He loves to attack us when our spiritual lenses are out of focus. And quite honestly, he loves to attack us uh, uh, when it seems as though all hope is lost. In fact, 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 8 confirms all of these less than happy thoughts by telling you and I that we need to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, watch it, it says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You see, it's been said that the Christian life is not a playground, but it's a battleground. Therefore, we must be very aware of our adversary, the devil. He's always on the prowl. He's always busy. He always is seeking to devour you and I. Sadly, honestly, I think there's times that you and I give him a backstage pass for free. We give him free access into our lives. And, and so today, I just think that we have to look to God's word. Uh, I want us to look and see if we might find a strategy you know, a strategy is only as good as the outcome. And so I want to encourage you with the strategy that I know, based on the authority of God's word, will work. And so let's do this. Let's join our hearts in prayer real quickly, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your uh, gathered together, and me here in, in your house, and 
uh, Lord, coming uh, to all of our family uh, through online resources. And God, I just pray that today that you would uh, be with my words and my thoughts and my actions, that they might bring you honor and glory. And Lord, certainly we understand that our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll give us uh, eyes to see what you have for us, God, ears to hear, and that, God, your word might fall upon the good soil of our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way during this time today. Certainly, we pray that if there's anybody that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that today will be the day that they realize that you love them and that you love them so much that you sent your son to die for their sins. God, that they might trust Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us through the next few moments of time, and we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord and for his sake. All the people of God said amen and amen. Well, before we get into our text in Genesis chapter 3, I, I want us all to be reminded that um, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 2, that before Jesus Christ came into our hearts and into our lives, watch this, it says that we all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now notice that verse again. It says that we walked according to the course of this world, and here's how we walked, according to the prince or the ruler of the power of the air. So in other words, we were under the devil's control. And then it goes on and says, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, which tells me that he is still active. He's still walking about seeking whom he may devour. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17, really probably my life verse, tells us that if any man is in Christ, that he's a new creature and that behold, all things uh, uh, are passed away and behold, all things are become new. And so we know that uh, after Jesus comes in, all things have been made new. But I can assure you that the so-called battle after salvation is very real. The devil doesn't give up uh, the day that we uh, trust Christ as our Savior. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks uh, about his struggle with sin in Romans chapter 7. And then over in Galatians chapter 5, you can read how Paul was talking to the church at Galatia about that war that, went, that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. And I can only imagine that that's a fight that the devil enjoyed waging against that great missionary for the Lord. Which is why I believe uh, Paul also wrote to the church of Ephesus over in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11 telling us this. He said, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles. That word wiles means the methods of the devil. Think about it like this. In, in sports, we train for game day. Uh, when I was in the military, those who have served in the military, uh, law enforcement, uh, uh, firefighters, we train and prepare uh, for the day of battle or, or war, hoping that we never have to use that training. But that's how we train, right? We prepare ourselves. Likewise, as believers, I believe that you and I need to know how to spiritually battle against the devil. And we need to understand what his strategies look like. 
If we're going to implement our strategies, we need to know what his strategies look like. But I also think that we need to remember that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? And so uh, let's look in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. And I just want to read the first five verses of Scripture and very familiar uh, passage of text. And let's see how the Lord will use it today. Notice in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so right away, the first thing that you and I need to know is that Satan has a target. He has a target. As the deceiver of the world, he is drawing a bead as if he was holding up a scope on a rifle. He is drawing a bead on you and I, and his target as the deceiver is our mind. His target is our mind. And as we look here in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan wanted to lead Adam and Eve into sin, he does so by attacking their mind. And I was reading the other day how that in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3, he says these words, he says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now in verse 2 of that passage, Paul had just compared the church to a virgin. And so as we can see here in verse number 3, he's concerned that just like Eve, that the church would be drawn or led astray. But I have to ask myself the question, why would Satan aim his attack at the mind? Why would he attack our minds or Eve's minds? And, and, and the only thing that I can come up with is I think back to Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 and 27, which tell us that we are created in the image of God. And Scripture teaches us that when God wants to communicate His Word and His will to us, He does it through the mind. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse number 10, uh, the Bible says that as believers, that we have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. And while writing to the church at Ephesus, Paul tells them over in Ephesians 4 and verse number 17, he says, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. In other words, he was saying, don't walk uh, like those who, without, those who are without Christ because they walk in a way that is morally wrong. And so he goes on, if you read that passage, you'll see that just a few verses later in verse number 23, Paul says, tells them to be renewed in the spirit of their mind. Oh yes, folks, the devil, he loves to attack our mind. But in Romans 12 and verse number 2, we are told that we are not to be conformed to this world, but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind 
that we might be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, when God transforms our lives, He does so by renewing our mind. And He does this through His Word. Which is why I believe that the devil targets our minds. You see, if he can get you and I to believe a lie, then here's what he does. He begins to work in our lives in a way that leads you and I to sin. If we start believing the devil's lies instead of God's truth, then it's very short distance we will start leading a life of sin. However, a verse that I use many times when I'm counseling folks that uh, maybe they struggle with anxiety or fear or whatnot. I, I always encourage people, and this is a great verse anyway, uh, to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 because that verse establishes some guardrails for our mind. Notice what it says. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So Paul is saying if it's not true, if it's not true, if it's not worthy of praise, if it's not worthy of virtue, he says, don't even let it into your mind. He says, Put it aside. Listen, stay away. I tell people this all the time. In fact, I put it on one of our tracks that we hand out to people. I tell people, stay away from stinking thinking. You see, the devil loves to attack our mind because the truth of the matter is that our mind is like a computer. It, it's, like a, it's like a recording device. It's like a DVD player. It stores up facts and impressions and emotions and it recalls all of those things at a moment's notice. Our mind has the ability to look into the past through memories. And our mind has the, the, the uncanny ability to look into the future, right? Through imagination. You see, what we think affects not only our feelings, but it affects our will and it affects our actions. In the beginning of Proverbs 23 in verse number 7, the Bible says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Maybe you're somebody that struggles with anxiety or negative, negative thoughts. Maybe you're anxious and negative all the time. I can tell you that if that's what you're focused on, that's going to dictate how you act, right? In the same light, if you're somebody who is positive or confident, that's going to kind of color how you respond to certain situations. Today, uh, doctors, <laughs> doctors continue to tell us that we are what we eat. It's amazing to me that they change it all the time. Sometimes eggs are good for you. Sometimes they're not good for you. Sometimes milk's good for you. Sometimes it's not good for you. But they tell us that we are what we eat. And at the same time, the world of psychology tells us that we are what we think. You see, our thought life is so incredibly important because that devil, that dirty devil, he knows just how powerful our mind can be, which is why he constantly seeks to attack it and to capture it again and again and again. But I'm thankful because if you were to look at Isaiah in chapter 26 and verse 3, the Bible alludes to the fact that if you and I will keep our mind stayed on him, right? The idea is that we trust God and that we keep our mind stayed on him. It says that he will keep us in perfect peace. Oh yes, Romans 8 and verse number 6 uh, tells us to be carnally minded is death. 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, the devil has a target. As the deceiver, he is targeting you and I every day, and he targets the mind. Oh, we must be sober and vigilant because of the devil's target being our mind. I also see in Genesis chapter 3 that the weapons, you know, he, he not only has a target, but Satan also has a weapon that he likes to deploy on our mind, and it's those lies that he tells us. In Genesis chapter 3, you'll notice that Satan comes to Eve as the serpent. He's a subtle deceiver. And Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9 actually confirms his identity by telling us that the old serpent, which is a reference back to Genesis chapter 3, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so you have Revelation confirming what we see in Genesis chapter 3. And then if you and I were to look at John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus actually describes the devil as well. And in this verse, he says that he was a murderer from the beginning and that he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Notice, he says the devil is not only a liar, but he's the father of all lies. In reality, folks, we cannot be neutral when it comes to what God says and what the devil says. We're either going to believe the truth of God's word or we're going to buy in to Satan's lies. And if you notice back in Genesis 3, we see the steps that the devil takes to attack Eve's mind. And, and here's the thing, remember, he doesn't come dressed up like most artists draw him, right? He comes disguised, as we said, as a serpent. And notice the first thing he does. In verse number one, he says, Yea, hath God said. He approaches Eve. Eve hasn't even spoken to him. He approaches her, but he questions God's word. He says, Yea, hath God really said? He says, Has God really said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, who told you that? She didn't go to tell the devil that. Adam didn't tell him that. So he comes and he's denying what God had said. And so he's basically saying, hey, Eve, maybe you and Adam misunderstood. Maybe you just didn't hear what God said correctly. He said, why don't you rethink what he said and let's see what really is going on here. And so in a way, by saying, has God said this, he's questioning God's goodness, right? He's questioning God's goodness with this thought that, that basically says, if God really loved you, then why would he withhold something from you? And that's a lie that really, to be honest, the devil uses today to attack our minds. You see, sometimes we don't get what we want in life. And so the devil says, if God really loved you, why did he do this? If God really loved you, why did this happen? And so he's always attacking God's goodness and God's grace and his love. And really, the world has bought in. They've bought in hook, line, and sinker. In fact, the world continues to question God all the time. At every turn, I see the world questioning God. They say stuff like, is, is it really wrong to lie? Is it really wrong to cheat or to steal? Um, by the way, did God really say not to commit adultery? Did he, uh, uh, did he really say it was wrong to abort babies? Is pride really an issue with God? Uh, is it wrong to gossip? Here's another one. Did God really say that all have sinned? I mean, I've never 
I don't consider myself a sinner. Did God really say that you must be born again to inherit the kingdom of, uh, of God? I mean, did he say these things? And so the world is always questioning God's word as well. And this was the devil's first step. Next, I see in after Eve answers in verse 2 and 3, in verse number 4, I see that he denies God's word. He, after Eve says, hey, listen, she says, um, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And I'll get there in just a second. The devil in verse number 4 says, you shall not surely die. So, so what I see is that he's, he's actually minimizing what God had said. And, and he's, basically, he's basically saying, you're not going to die if you sin. It's, it's not a problem. You can, you can do what you want, and it's, there, there are no consequences. But we know that's not true. In fact, I would say that it's a short distance from the point where you and I begin to question God before you and I begin to deny God. The moment we start questioning God, from that moment until the point where we begin to deny God, it's a very short distance. Third thing I see is that in verse number 5, he has the audacity... The devil has the audacity to tell Eve, he says, that they shall be its gods. He basically says that, hey, God knows that after you guys eat this fruit of this tree, that you guys are going to be like gods. And so he inserts his own lie. He inserts his own lie. Now, he knows that Adam and Eve have been created in the image of God. But what he does, he comes to them with this idea of something greater, right? He says, God knows that when you eat of the fruit, you guys, you're not going to die. In actuality, what you're going to do is you're going to become as gods. You're going to be something greater than you already are. And that's a lie he tells us today. In fact, that's been his goal all along. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, we can see that being God was and still is the devil's greatest ambition. Notice what scripture says here. We see his ambition and lust for more. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart. Now notice what he says. I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, I want you to stay and focus on that last phrase, right? Because in the last phrase, Satan is declaring that he wants to be the highest high one. He's saying, I want to be the strongest strong one. I want to be the one, quite honestly, that has no equal. Satan himself, as an angel, was a created being, and yet he wants to be worshipped and served as if he were God. His target is our mind, and his weapons are the lies that he tells us. By the way, he also tried to lie to our Lord. In Matthew chapter 4, in verses 8, 9, and 10, he, he, lies, he tries to lie to the Lord, which is kind of incredible to me. But notice what it says. It says in verse number 8, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, notice what he says, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and in him only shalt thou serve. It was back in uh, World War II. 
it was Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister, a man by the name of Joseph, Joseph uh, Goebbels, who said these words. He said, if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, people will begin to believe it. That's exactly what the devil tries to do here with Eve. This is exactly what he tries to do with us. He's, he keeps lying and he gets louder and he gets louder and he gets louder and he attacks our mind until we get to the point where we cave and we say, whatever you say, devil. Oh, we have to be so very, very careful. And, and so we ask ourselves the question in Genesis chapter 3, how does Eve respond? Well, notice right away, Eve takes away from God's word, she adds to God's word, and she changes God's word. In fact, before Eve was ever created, see, God gave these words to Adam before Eve was created. Notice in Genesis 2, in verse 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest, notice this word, freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now notice what Eve says in Genesis 3, verses 2 and 3. Notice, she says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now you see right here very plainly that she takes away from God's Word, she adds to God's Word, and she changes God's Word. See, in verse number 2, she omits the word freely that God had communicated to Adam in Genesis 2 in verse number 16. And so in a sense, by omitting this idea that God was giving to them all the fruit of the trees of the garden freely, right? She is somehow limiting the goodness and the graciousness of Almighty God. See, when we start to question, again, think about it. When we start to question God's goodness and His love, you and I are in trouble spiritually. Oh, it's so important. It's so, so incredibly important that we stay connected to God's Word. In verse number 3, she adds to God's Word. God never said that they would die if they touched the tree. He never told Adam, if you touch it, if you, if you get up and you touch the fruit or the tree that you'll die. So she adds to what God had actually commanded Adam. And then she changes what God said to Adam, right? She, she, she basically, uh, speaking of the penalty of disobedience, she changes what God said. And then we know in verse number four or verse number five, the devil says, you shall not surely die. And so she changes what God says, but the devil, he minimizes he minimizes the penalty for sin. Oh, but as Scripture reveals, and we didn't read it when we began, but verse number 6 tells us that Eve was hooked. See, she bought into the lies. She bought into the, the subtlety, the craftiness of that roaring lion who was walking about that day, seeking whom he may devour. In verse number 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree, watch this, was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and then gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. You see, in verse number 6, it's at this point that she makes a choice. And I tell people all the time that we make choices, and choices make us. Right? We make choices, 
And I want to encourage you today. Make the greatest choice you could ever make by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. If, you're not, if you've not trusted Christ ever before, do it today. If you're a believer, I want to encourage you to make a choice to fall more in love with God, to fall more in love with His Word so that you'll be enabled and uh, able to fall more in love with other people. Oh yes, we must be sober. We must be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. He has a target. His target is our mind. His weapons are the lies he tells us. And the last thing I see here in Genesis 3 is that his purpose is to is to make you and I ignorant of God's will. You see, God had given clear instruction to Adam, but Satan, his desire was to distort and to confuse the facts. And we see in Genesis chapter 3 that he attacks God's Word. He attacks God's Word because God's Word actually reveals God's will. God said, hey, look, I gave you all of this. I want you to tend it. I want you to keep it. I, I, I'm giving you all of the fruit of every tree. But this one tree, you shall not eat of this fruit. Right? Oh, man and woman, they had a choice. And you and I have choices. It was David who said in Psalm 40, in verse number 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. In Psalm 119, in verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, without God's word, we cannot fully understand the will of God. You see, a person without Christ needs to know what God has to say. That's why the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And for those of us who are believers, we must know what the will of God is. And we learn what His will is through His Word. You see, as believers, God wants us to know His will. He wants us to understand His will. He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of His will so that you and I might actually do His will. But folks, if Satan is allowed, if we give him that backstage pass and he's allowed to attack our mind in order to make you and I ignorant of God's will, here's what's happened. Here's what's going to happen. You and I will be robbed of many of the glorious blessings that God gives us. We will no doubt end up making poor choices. We will get involved with sinful activities. We will build the wrong kind of life for us and for our families. And sadly... When we do that, when we allow the devil to attack our minds so that we're ignorant of God's will, our influence, our influence for the Lord is greatly affected. We must be sober. We must be vigilant. His target is our mind. The weapons that he uses are the lies that he tells us. And his purpose is to make us ignorant of God's will. But in the end, Here's where it is. In the end, I'm so thankful to tell you that you and I have a defense system that we can employ. And our defense system is none other than the inspired Word of God. You see, my wisdom, your wisdom, man's wisdom is no match. Is no match for the subtlety and the craftiness of the devil. Man, listen, I cannot reason with the devil and neither can you. Who's going to reason with a liar? Have you ever tried to reason with a liar? You're not going to be able to reason with a liar and somebody who's a murderer. Oh, we have to use the inspired Word of God. It's our best defense. 
By the way, that's exactly what Jesus did in, in Matthew chapter 4. He doesn't, he doesn't argue with the devil. He simply communicates God's word. And I think of this passage when he was out in the wilderness being tempted. He could have used his divine power, but instead he sets an example of victory for you and for me to follow by relying completely on the word of God, the infallible word of God. Oh, yes, Ephesians 6 and verse number 17 ensures us that we can make uh, use of the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God. In James chapter 4, the Bible tells us in verse number 14, to submit ourselves therefore to God and to resist the devil and he will flee from us. You see, one of the ways that we submit to God, one of the ways that we resist the devil is by making use of God's Word. So here it is. All of this information about his target, about his weapons, and about his purpose to get us to this point where I'm talking to you about the defense system. So here's the strategy that I want to give you very quickly. And I pray that you'll write this down. If you're not a note taker, take it down. Otherwise, you can look right there in the notes section uh, of our online service. I've already provided the notes for you, but I want you to make note of this. Here's the strategy for success. Number one, we need to know God's word. You're like, oh, is that all I get? We need to know God's Word, right? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 and 16. A lot of times we read verse 15, but we need to read verse 16 as well. And here's what the Bible says. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 16, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more, notice, un godliness. You see, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit of truth residing inside of us. John 16 tells us this. It's, it says that we have the Holy Spirit of truth that will guide us into all truth. We got to quit listening to the devil. and We need to start listening and learning what God has to say. We need to know God's word. Secondly, we need to memorize God's word. And I know some of you are out there and you say, listen, I'm 50 years old, I'm 65 years old, I'm 75, 85, I'm 25 years old. I stopped memorizing things when I was in grade school. Don't do it. You need to memorize Scripture. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 11, he said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen, if we're going to combat, if we're going to do combat against the methods or the wiles of the devil, then we must be hiding God's word in our heart. In Psalm 37, the Bible says that for a good man, if you look in verse 31, it says that for a good man, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. You see, when we love God's word, when we think about God's word, and we make God's word a priority in our life, here's what's going to happen. Our conduct is actually going to become more consistent with God's Word. I shared a moment ago Psalm 40 and verse number 8 with you, right? And the reason that David was able to do God's will in Psalm 40 verse 8, you can look back at it, the reason he was able to do God's will is because God's Word was residing in his heart. Well, yes, we got him. Uh, we we got to know God's word. We got to memorize God's word. We also we we need to be meditating on God's word. We had a devotion 
Uh, I believe Colby talked about uh, meditating on the Word of God just uh, a week and a half ago in one of our devotions. Listen, it's been said this. Notice it It says, Meditation is to the inner man what digestion, digestion is to the outer man. If we don't digest our food, there's a problem. If you chew your food, but your body does never digest your food, uh, digest the food that you're eating, you're going to become sick, and most likely you will die. The same is true spiritually. We got to di- digest what God's word is saying. We need to meditate upon it. In fact, God told Joshua in Joshua chapter one and verse number eight, He says, "The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein." For then, notice, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The blessed man over in Psalm 1, in verse number 2, the blessed man, we see, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And verse 2 says, and he meditates in it day and night. The psalmist also reminds us in Other passages in Psalm 119, 103, and Psalm 119 and verse 72, that God's word is sweet to the taste and that it's better than gold or silver. Oh yes, we got to know God's word. We got to memorize God's word and meditate on God's word. And then I'll just be honest, if we're going to deal with the devil, we got to use God's word. We've got to use his God's word as we study it, as we memorize it and meditate on it. Our mind is going to become like a spiritual computer. Right? And that's a, that's, you're like, that's, that's kind of uh, strange. No, it's a good thing. Our mind becomes like the spiritual computer so that when the devil attacks our mind, we're able to respond biblically. Oh, yes, Jesus said in John chapter 14, and, and I close, he said in John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things, notice this, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The tragedy, however, is that the Holy Spirit of God cannot remind me, it cannot remind you of something that we have never made an effort to learn. We must first allow Him to teach us, right? We have to allow Him to teach us. We have to know and memorize and meditate and use God's Word. See, the battle, the battle against the devil is going to become much easier when we rely on God's strategy for success. As Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, I want you to know, I want to encourage you With these final words, he said this. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, dealing with the devil is no joke. And so I encourage you today, understand his target. Understand his weapons. Understand his purpose. But then we can praise the Lord that we have a defense system that the devil cannot win against. And that's the word of God. I love you and pray that you'll have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon. And uh, looking forward to seeing you again real soon. Let's, let's close our service with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity. 
that we've had to meet together. And Lord, uh, certainly a lot of information covered as we opened up this new series on dealing with the devil. And so I pray that you, your word has fallen upon the good soil of our hearts, that we have uh, been able to receive it, and that, Lord, that we'll take it now and put it into use in a way that brings you honor and in a way that brings you glory. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody who has been watching or listening that has never called out upon the name of the Lord, I pray that they would make that decision today to simply recognize your love, recognize your goodness, understanding that you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross, as we talked about last week, for the sins of the world. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that has never done that, that they would simply quietly unto themselves call upon the name of the Lord, because we know from your word that if we do that, we shall be saved. Lord, we thank you for this promise. We look forward to what you'll do in the coming days, and we give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen and amen. I want to encourage you, if you've trusted Christ today or over the past four or five weeks, connect with us. We'd love to share with you, love to encourage you in any way that we can. Um, it's uh, been a strange time for us as a church family, uh, but I'm so excited for what God has been doing even through this time when we have had to be away. I pray that you have a great day. God bless you.